Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. I want to talk about some keys to meaningful worship, some keys to meaningful worship. And Father, we ask you that your spirit would not just um, impart and illumine us with information, but God, you would inspire our hearts to desire, to desire you, to desire to be better worshipers, Lord, deeper worshipers, real worshipers. So God, May your word live in us because it is a living word. It's active, Lord. So activate it in our hearts, Lord. Renew some of us, Lord, where maybe our worship has grown cold or stale. Um, Some of us, Lord, have just never pressed in in that area of our lives. Some of us, Lord, uh, just have never learned. Some of us, God, we just need to see you better, to know you deeper because you inspire us to worship, God. You draw us to yourself. So we pray that your spirit would take your word and cultivate our hearts, Lord. Shape us to be worshipers, that we would be known as a worshiping congregation. God, we know that is one of our primary callings in this earth, to worship. So, Lord, help us to do that, we pray, by your power and your presence. and the truth of your word, in Christ's name, amen. Keys to meaningful worship. Just going to give you some things that, uh, that are practical uh, and biblical to help us as a congregation recognize this is a, worship is a holy calling. I mean, it is a calling of God upon his people in the earth. We are to be a worshiping people. That is one of the things that sets the church apart from any other organization in the world. There are a lot of other maybe good uh, benevolent organizations, people that do charity work, people that do all different kinds of things. But the church primarily that sets, it sets us apart is that we are a worshiping community. Mankind is the knot that ties heaven and earth together. We are created in his image in a way that the rest of creation needs us to present God, to help us to order, be ordered in creation the way God wants us to be. And so we have to lead the creation in worship. And I always go, just give you a homework assignment, Revelation 4 and 5. Just read that this week. Spend some time there. And Revelation chapter 4 is about the creator and the worship of creation and all. And then chapter 5 introduces the lamb and the redemptive work and the saving work of God. And they bring all that worship together, creation in the church, the saved people coming together in this glorious worship service before the throne of God. So just read that and look at the kind of worship that's going on in the presence of the Lord right there in the heavenly throne room, uh, and we can learn some things about how God, what does God like? What does God enjoy in worship? He tells us so many things. So here are just some keys that I've learned about worship. Number one is when you come to worship, try to be fully present. Try to be fully present. Hebrews 10.22 says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Let us draw near to God. What is it that draws us near? With a sincere heart. That's a glue that holds you to God is your heart sincere. God's a relational being. He, he wants us to call him father. He, he wants us to call him friend. He, you know, he's the king. I mean, there's so many things. I can't find anything that I need that he's not called by that name. 
right? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God, our healer. It's like everything I think I need, he's named that in the scripture. So worship is something that connects us to the one who meets us at the point of our need, the point of our hurt. So it's so important that when we come to worship, we learn to be fully present. There's a difference in being physically present and being fully present. I mean, a man can come home from work or a woman can come home from work. You know, they can get in their easy chair and uh, get out the newspaper or turn on the news, and it's like bury themselves there, and they're physically present, but they're not fully present, not to their spouse, not to their children. It's like we are surrounding ourselves sometimes with things that keep us from being fully present to the Lord. So when we come into worship, we want to be fully present. We want to awaken ourselves to the fact, I'm coming here with other believers, and there's something special about when God's family gets together around his throne. Certainly, we're all to be worshipers individually. I'm specifically speaking this morning about corporately. All of these can be implied individually, but I'm talking corporately to us as a church family about being a holy worshiping congregation in this world. Fully present is absolutely essential. Physically present, that's where it starts, but you've got to bring more than that. You've got to bring your attention to God. You have to bring your affections to God. You have to bring your conversation to God. There are things that we do when we come into worship, things like we listen and we repent of sins if we're under conviction, right? We give God thanks for his blessings. We adore him just for who he is, the mysterious, creative God who sent his son. There's so many things, and you can just keep listing and listing, but when we are fully present, our attention is set on God. Not set on others, not even set on ourselves. It's really set on Him. Sometimes we need to think about ourselves. Again, if the Holy Spirit's maybe convicting us of sin and we need to confess sin or drawing thanksgiving, thank you, God, for how you've blessed me in this way and watched over and da 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 da. We can name those things, we can enumerate those things. So that can be important, but we need to give our attention to God. And we've taught around here over the years this truth. Don't ever lose this truth. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with him. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with him. So that's why our, most of our attention needs to be on him, not ourselves, unless he's speaking to us about some specifics. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your heart turned turn toward him and loose your affections again in your conversation with him. When we come to worship, we're not coming to offer God something. We're coming to offer him ourselves. God, I am yours. I am your son. I, I am your daughter. I am your servant. I, I am your friend. I am your lover. I am it's like everything that we are, we learn to give it to God. We come to give not gifts, but more than anything, we come to give our hearts. So learn ways that do that. Again, music, that's why music has always been a part of worship. God has put that in the very center of the Bible with the book of Psalms. And um, when we come, we, we use songs in order to stir up our hearts. Remember Elijah the prophet when the king said, I need a word from a prophet. Get Elijah. And Elijah comes to see him. And what does Elijah say? I think it's 2 Kings 17 or 1 Kings 17. Jeffrey, you know. Anyway, it's one of those two. And Elijah says, he, says he called for the men 
minstrel, and when the minstrel play, played, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah. It's like he knew music was a way to connect with God. It's an avenue of God. So we want to enter into the music. Some of us can sing, some of us can't sing that well, but there are words, right? Pay attention to what we're singing. Interact with that in the song. Use the words to interact with God. Use the music to inspire your spirit to lift you up. But we want to connect fully with God. Um, in, in my own life, I know part of the time in worship in here, almost, I'm, I would almost say without exception, but I'm probably wrong about that, but 90-something percent of the time, the, you know, I will spend some time during the worship service singing or speaking in tongues, giving God praise. We know 1 Corinthians 14, we're not talking to people with tongues, we're talking to God, it says. You're not directing your words to a person, you're directing them to the one on the throne. We know it's praise language, we know it's thanksgiving, we know it's adoration. And so I spend some time each each service doing that just in in my own heart with him very quietly to myself as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 also but find ways that open up your heart the music the words tongues being quiet sometimes I just sit and be still and just recognize God is here God is with me God thank you for being here thank you for letting me be with you interact with him, engage with him. That's what it means to be fully present, not just physically present. A second thing, a key that I would give is to engage your heart. I mean, we do have the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Those are capacities God has put in our human nature that are avenues of worship. We can worship him with our minds. We can think about God. We can talk to God. But that's just 25% of the deal, right? You got your heart, your effective part of your being, your emotions. Stir up your heart to give God thanksgiving and love and all, whatever it is that's in you. Offer, again, you're offering yourself. You're digging down deep in the wells of your heart, and you're offering to God what you feel, or what you should feel. God, I, I should feel this. I need to feel that. Ask him sometimes. Turn on your emotions. Turn on your heart. Ask him for things that you don't have that you wish you did. God is a great giver of those kinds of gifts. But engaging your heart, because God, God's heart is engaged toward you. We need to know that. When you come to worship, I mean, anytime, but we're talking about corporate worship. When you come here to worship, you've got to remember, God's heart is it's engaging toward you. He's reaching out to you. He's speaking to you. He's, he's wanting to touch you. He's wanting to do something in your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says that, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were called to the day of redemption or sealed to the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And over the years, I've taught you a lot of times, grieve is a love word. You can't grieve an enemy. You can make them mad, spiteful, vengeful. But you can't grieve an enemy. You can only grieve someone who loves you, brings grief to their heart. When, when someone disappoints you or wounds you because they love you, it brings grief up. And here's God saying, my spirit grieves when we don't act right toward the Lord. When we act in ways that are unbecoming as God's kids, we bear his name, right? It's like wherever we go, we're bearing the name of the Lord. And so when we come to worship, we need to remind ourselves who we are. We are God's people. We are God's kids. I remember growing up in my family, my dad said to me, I don't know, a whole bunch of times, almost every time I left the house, I can remember as a teenager, my dad saying stuff like, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. In other words, you've got a family name. You've got your, my honor is tied up with what you do. 
and who you are. And I heard him say that so many times. Don't forget who you are. My reply was always, Dad, how can I forget who I am? Everywhere I go, they say, let me see your ID. So uh, he, he was a little concerned about that. Uh, but it's okay, I used a fake ID, so it didn't reflect on my family at all, you know. Don't ever forget, you're God's kids. You are God's kids. He loves you. He has affection for you. He has compassion for you. He has desires for you and dreams for you. We need to recognize God is a lover. So if we're going to come to worship, we need to engage our hearts. So think rightly and love deeply. We need both of those things. And, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, you know, our intellectual parts, our learning the things, with all our soul, that's our personality, our giftedness, our abilities, with all our strength, that's whatever resources God has put in us, anything from finances to, again, abilities to do things, ways to serve him. We want to activate all that to express love to the Lord. So engaging our hearts is very important for meaningful worship. Third thing is just becoming aware. It's easy to come to worship and sit down or stand up or sing or go through the songs and do all the stuff, but not really become aware of the presence. We need to be aware of the presence of God. He says his name is what? Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus says, I am with you. How long? Always, even to the end of the age. Presence is important. So one thing I typically do when I come in and first start worship time, I want to just stop for a minute and say, God, I know you're here. Help me to be aware. Help me to be aware that you are with us. He is that God of Emmanuel language. I, that's what he names himself. My name is Emmanuel, God with us. Proverbs 28 Verse 16, remember the story of Jacob, Jacob's dream. Remember he went to sleep and he saw the ladder, Jacob's ladder ascending and angels ascending and descending, one like the son of man at the top of the ladder. And when he wakes up, he makes this statement in verse 16, Genesis 28. Surely the Lord is in this place, but I was not aware of it. Wow. You know what? The Lord is in this place. We should be aware of it. We come to meet with him. Yes, each other, family. Again, we love that. I love it when all my family comes around. I enjoy that. Remember, God's the father here, and he enjoys it when we get together. But if we don't even recognize his presence, I think that's probably got to be one of those things that might grieve him. So stop, take a moment at least and recognize God is here. God, help me to connect with you today. Help me to be aware of you today. I think it was Thomas Merton that wrote, Scripture are treasures of gold overlaid with silver. Treasures of gold overlaid with silver. Think about that for a moment. Maybe think of a, a decorative piece, maybe a dove, and it's uh, solid silver. Beautiful. Silver is a precious metal, right? I mean, we, we polish it, we shine it, uh, we get the fingerprints off of it. It looks beautiful. We, we, we appreciate art like that, and the silver is very valuable stuff. But if you dug just a little bit down beneath the silver and discovered, gosh, this inside is made out of gold, you'd realize the inside's more valuable than the outside. Worship is like that. 
it's a treasure of silver, but it's, I mean, it's a treasure of gold. It's overlaid with silver. We have to dig down a little deeper than just our words, our thoughts, our ideas. We need to recognize, I think, almost every doctrine that we have, the stuff we think about and are grateful for, and we believe this about God and that about God, I believe almost every one, every doctrine we have is a treasure of gold overlaid with silver. Take, for instance, omnipresent. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm so grateful for that. I guess I always believed God was everywhere. I can't think of a time that I ever didn't believe that. It's a good doctrine, right? Omnipresence. God is everywhere. I am with you always. Ah, it's a difference between God being everywhere and God being with you. There's a treasure of gold inside omnipresence, and it's God's nearness that you recognize not just that he's everywhere, but that he's near to you. I remember a time in my life in great burnout where I remember praying, God, I don't need you to be everywhere. I need you to be somewhere. I need you to be right here. I need you. I need you. We recognize the nearness of God with us. So some of our doctrines that we think we believe, and we do believe, and we're grateful for them, maybe you look a little deeper when you come to worship and find out what's on the inside of this. What if it becomes personal? What if this doctrine became true in my life? What would it look like? So instead of being a faith-filled person, we realize we need to be a faithful person. We can think about having a doctrine, but it's different between having that and the transformation of your life. Then it gets to be gold. We need to set, recognize that the things of God, a lot of times we stop at the surface level and there's something deeper. Try to go deeper with God because, you know what, God is always deeper. No matter how deep you get, there's always more. There's always more of God. So I, that's one thing that makes me a worshiper, I guess, is I really see the mystery of God. I mean, it's like he's just beyond our understanding, beyond our imagination. And so we can dream into God and think into God, God, you are amazing. I, and it creates something in me that I think we desperately need in worship, and that is a sense of awe. We need awe and wonder. We, need, we teach our kids to count and organize and multiply and divide. Where are we teaching them how to awe and wonder, to be bemused by the mystery of God? We need to let God outside of our little doctrinal boxes because I tell you, he's not in there anyway. He's way bigger than that. We can't make a box to put him in. I'm always saying you can't put 10 gallons of mud in a five-gallon bucket. That's the way it is trying to understand God. No matter how much you pour in of your brain or of your heart, there's always more of God that's overflowing. Never stop. Keep believing in the mystery of God. And let awe and wonder be a part of your worship. There is that treasure of God's nearness that he is with us. Recognize how many times in our lives we could say, God is here, but I wasn't aware of it. Start creating awareness because that's getting you in touch with reality. That's reality. God is with us. He is near, and we need to get in touch with that. And worship is one way that helps us to do that. It's a great treasure, and nearness is right there. His nearness is there. Another key for worship is to remember worship is a verb. Right? Worship is a verb. Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Worship is not something done for us or something done to us. It's something that's done by us. 
if you don't worship, it doesn't matter that you came to worship or a worship service. All that matters is, are you a worshiper? You can't just come and have worship done around you. It'd be like a duck in water. They can get lots of water on them, but none ever gets through, does it? It just runs off. You can be all around worship and not get any on you. You got to let it sink in. You got to do that by becoming active in worship. And I encourage all of us, worship is an embodied activity. Worship happens in a body. And that's why there's so many commands in the scripture and the way God like talks about raising your hand or shouting or kneeling or bowing your head or closing your eyes. I mean, there are all kinds of acts we can do that engage our body. Worship is not just something we think about in our heads. It's an engagement of our entire being. It includes our heads, but our hearts, our bodies, and we have to activate ourselves. I, I find myself, that really, m many of you won't be old enough to understand this at all, but a few of you are, like Steve, my brother here, my younger brother, born one day after me. Um, we grew up in a time when you turn on a television set, it just didn't come on automatically. You had to sit there and wait. You had to wait for the tubes to warm up. It had, there was no solid state, none of that, you know, none of the computer stuff. You just, you turn it on, you wait and wait and wait for the tubes to warm up. And then something would, I don't remember if the picture came first or the sound, but you'd get some sound say, and then later the picture would come up. Have an Indian head. My wife's family on there, on the TV right there all the time. It's like, because there wasn't, there weren't shows on all the time either. Just at certain hours of the day, a show would come on. There wouldn't be anything the rest of the time. It just, just a blank screen, you know? So, I find I'm like that tube television set. Sometimes I come in, and maybe more than I'd like to admit, I have to worship myself into worshiping. I have to warm up. I just have to start doing it. Lift my hands, start a prayer, bow my head. It's like I have to do something to get engaged, and my heart starts to warm up then. Gets, my body seems to be a good way for me to do it. Gets my heart moving, then it comes into my brain. It's like it turns on some different systems. Well, find out which systems you need to turn on to worship. Find out that you have to worship yourself. It's true about prayer, too. A lot of times you have to pray yourself into praying. Just start, right? Just get the scripture and just start praying it, and your, your spirit will catch up. Your spirit will begin to warm up, and it'll begin to flow between you and the Lord. Doesn't happen automatically, so recognize that. Like Elijah again, call, bring the minstrel, let him play. And then as the music's played, it warmed him up, and he got in touch with the Spirit of the Lord. Find out what it takes to warm yourself up. Don't just go through a whole service singing the songs or doing whatever and not connecting with God. Get moving. Stir up your emotions. Stir up your mind. Stir up your body. Give him the gift of your energy. God, I'm coming to you. I want to draw near to you and kneel before the Lord, our maker. So spiritual awareness that we're desiring, that presence of God, it happens as we accept worship as a verb. We have to do something. You can't just come and it'll come on you. No, it's something you do. It's not something done to you. So get started. Let worship be an activity. It's a gift that you give to God. Another thing about worship, another key is to understand that worship, it's like God's breath. You know, Hebrews 11:36 says that everything is from him and through him and to him. Like, what a mysterious thing. Everything is from him and through him and to him. He releases it in heaven. It comes down to the earth. It flows through us and returns back unto him when it's done what it's supposed to do. There's a circuit that has to be completed. And that's true in worship. It's true in prayer. It's true in ministry. 
stuff that happens as we get engaged. And when you see worship as God's breath, that God is breathing his life into us. Worship is an invigorating thing. It awakens us. Sometimes it disturbs us, right? It's like, man, I don't need to be near God, or I'm scared to be near God, or whatever it is. It's like it begins to move you on the inside, and you realize, okay, God is real, and God is here. We have to, especially as a church, I mean, a congregation, we have to be a worshiping community. We need to draw in the breath of God, and we do that by being worshipers. If we will worship in here, our hearts out every Sunday morning, we'll be drawing the breath of God into us. And then when we minister, the breath of God can flow out of us and through us to those we minister to. It helps to activate that process and to energize it with power and authority. All our expressions of mission ought to flow out of our worship. We love God. We believe God. We trust God. We know God. Let us share him with you. Can we give him away? Worship fills our witness with love, the love of God. We love God, and we want you to know the love of God. Worship overflows our ministries with presence because we don't want to just do ministry. We want to bring the presence of the Lord into somebody's life. And if we're a worshiping congregation and we have this awareness stirred up in us and we live with that better during the week as we do, then when we give something away, when we minister to someone, there's a presence that comes with that because that breath is in us. It's come from him into us. It wants to come through us into others and return back unto him in praise or surrender or salvation or whatever it is the person needs to respond with um, in their life. So worship induces our our ministries with spiritual power. If we're not a worshiping congregation, I'm going to say you're not going to have very much spiritual power in whatever ministries you're doing. Be a worshiper. That fills you with the breath, the life of God. And when we lose it in ministry, in mission, then it returns back to him in honor and praise. It brings authority into what we do. It's like God's breath comes from heaven in worship and comes into us and returns back to him. It's, it's his breath returning back to where it came from. Where he breathes it out. We breathe it in. We breathe it out. He breathes it back in. It keeps this cycle going. And as it works, that circuit completes, it brings all the glory that God is desiring in his life. Without worship, the church is a breathless body. Without worship, the church is a breathless body. What's a breathless body? A corpse. (laughs) Dead, dead, dead. We need to be a worshiping church, a worshiping congregation. One of the things in worship that we need to engage, and this is a key, we have to learn how to praise the Lord. There's so many times in the Bible it talks about praising the Lord. I want to read a passage, if you have your Bibles, Psalm 33. Psalm 33, turn with me there. Psalm 33, 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. Shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Notice again, worship is an embodied activity. These these instrumentalists, these musicians have to not just play their instruments. He says play skillfully. 
That takes practice, you know? You don't just show up and do stuff like that. You practice. It's okay to practice spiritual things. When you practice with your gifts, when you practice with your talents, then you can make music to him, not just about him. Shouting for joy, singing to him. Again, embodied activities, things our bodies have to actually do to worship. We have to do more than just think about God. We need to act. We need to engage ourselves in, with God. Again, our bowed heads, raised hands, closed eyes, the dance. Some of you don't dance. We would not look good. Well, I would not look good dancing. But others can dance. You would look really great. That'd be fine. Singing, shouting, he talks about. A little interesting phrase there in verse 1. Praise is fitting for the upright. Why, why is that so? What does it mean praise is fitting for God's kids? Why, why, what is, why does that fit them? Let me share something. Number one, praise is fitting because it aligns us with like the ley lines of the universe. God has made the universe to worship him. Again, you read back your Revelation or a lot of your Old Testament prophets. The trees of the field clap their hands. The mountains are singing for joy. It's like all of the animals. You read chapter 4. It says every animal in the world, every dog, every bug, every tree, everything's been created. It's giving praise to God. It's like he, he has put praise in creation. It lines us up. It gives us our proper place in the choir of creation if we learn to praise the Lord. We've got to learn to praise the Lord. It puts us in the right place as a people, as God's people. Praise is fitting because you know what praise does? Praise proclaims a healthy heart. Praise proclaims a healthy heart. It's inner health made audible. That's what praise is. It's inner health made audible. That's what's healthy about us when we give praise. That's what's healing to us when we give praise. That's what lines us up in the right place in this world is giving praise to the Lord, completing that circuit of life from him and through him and to him are all things. Praise is the breath of God flowing through our lives. Praise, another thing, it adorns the human heart with the atmosphere of heaven. Praise adorns the human heart with the atmosphere of heaven. Heaven is filled with praise. Heaven is a praise place. It's the atmosphere of heaven. And when we praise, the atmosphere of heaven settles on our souls, settles on our lives, lives in us, the atmosphere of heaven. Another thing praise does, and this is important, and I know the musicians really love to hear this because it's so true. It's part of their ministry. Praise breaks the heart, the human heart with fixation on lesser things. Praise breaks the human's heart fixation on lesser things. We get fixed on lesser things. Praise shakes us loose and say, there's something higher than that. There's something better than that. There's something greater than that. It sets us free from lesser things. Now, again, not that we can't have any other attachments and hobbies and things we love, but even that is less than how much we are to love God. And praise is what helps us to remember what is highest and what is best. Praise heals brokenness. Praise is a way to get healed, and physically even, and also spiritually, emotionally, relationally, giving praise to the Lord. Just stop sometime if you're discouraged or feel defeated or depressed. Just get a, a yellow pad and start writing everything you can think of that you are to thank God for. Start with your breath and your eyesight and your ears, and just start thinking everything you should thank God for. It won't take you another, another page or two to work your spirit back up into a normal place of living. 
to get back in a right alignment with the Lord. Praise heals our brokenness. Praise clarifies our vision, helps us to see things from God's perspective. Things don't look nearly as bleak when you're on the throne of God. And that's where we're seated in Christ, on the Father's throne with him. Praise changes our perspective. It gives us height when we're on the throne room. The throne room perspective, height gives you perspective. You can see things much better than when you're staring a problem in the face or the enemy in the face. Get up on the throne of God and you'll see it differently and praise gets us there. So praise strengthens our heart. Praise produces joy. There's so many things we could teach from the scriptures. And you could even ask, well, what should I praise God for? If you look in that passage in 33, Psalm 33, verse 4 says, praise him for his word. The word of the Lord is right and true. Praise him for that. God, thank you. Your word is right. This is truth. God, help me to live this truth. Thank you. Verse 4b says he is faithful in all he does. Praise him for his faithfulness. God, thank you that you're faithful. I'm not always faithful, God. Thank you. Make me like you. Make me faithful, Lord. So worship. If we will be a worshiping congregation, it will, it will imbue our ministries again with power and presence and, oh, how the world needs them, not us. There are a lot of good things we can do for folks, and that's right. We should. But more than anything, we should be bringing the presence of God into their lives. And that's only going to happen through a worshiping congregation, worshiping people, to be aware of his presence. Praise needs to settle that in our hearts. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, what? There I am in their midst. Get that awareness settled in your soul. Attending to the presence of God. It's not only, again, just saying that he's there or even knowing it, omnipresence, but it's attending to the presence when you recognize he's near. He's near. Let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying. It's like God's talking to us. Listen up. Pay attention. We need to be those people who come before the Lord in Sunday mornings and worship, and we say like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm listening. God, have you got something to say to me today? How many of you this morning, just think about your own life, you took any time in the service to stop and say, God, do you have something you want to say to me today? Just be still for a minute or two and just ask him, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? Maybe he'll say something. Maybe he won't. I mean, you know, you don't have to always talk, but I'll bet you there are times he will say something that will be doggone important for you. It'll be beautiful. It'll be encouraging. It'll be uplifting. It will be healing, or it might be convicting, which is healing when we respond to it, right? Take a moment in worship and just stop and say, Lord, have you got something you want to say? You can even keep on singing, and he might speak to you through the song, right? He can come in so many different ways. He's very creative. So we need to come into this presence and to ask him, Lord, have you got something to say to me? Remember, the Lord says, you know, without faith, Hebrews eleven six, 6, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, okay, and what? He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Believe that. God, I'm seeking you. Would you speak to me today? Would you touch me today? Would you heal me today? Would you change me today? Would you show me something today? He rewards those who seek him. Believe that. Believe God has something he wants to do or say to you. And when we do that, then it becomes communication both ways. It's not just one way. It's God speaking, and we are listening. You look in Acts, so we don't, I'm not going to take time to do Acts chapter 2. 
verse 42 through 47, and you can see there a picture real time of what a worshiping congregation looks like. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, that's a real-time picture. You see, it's a worshiping community. They're devoted to that. It's a community with awe. Verse 43, awe came upon every soul. It, it's a faith-filled fellowship. They, all they were believers. They were coming together. It was a love-controlled congregation. They were attending to one another, and they were, had glad and generous hearts. It was a joy-empowered church. It said that they had the joy of the Lord as Jesus had the joy of the Lord, and that is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And let me just remind us all, Scripture tells us deep calls unto deep. Deep doesn't call unto shallow. Comes un, calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. We've got to come in. We've got to get deeper with God. So talk to him. Relate to him. Engage him. Activate your body. Awaken your mind. Open your soul. Start to do worship as a communion between you and God and as a congregation. When we recognize that, when we enter that, there is a power there that we can find nowhere else but at the throne room of God. I, I pray that we'll be a congregation that the devil, he will fear when we pray and he will worry when we worship. It ought to make him nervous when we come together and pray, when we come together and worship. It ought to make God, I mean, make Satan nervous. Let's be that church. But it's only if our worship is engaged and real and not just ritual and rote. So much of the church is content to have his name and do his work without his presence. I want us to be a presence-based church. The presence of God is with us. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll dine with him, fellowship with him. I stand at the door and knock. Listen, Jesus has great authority. He has all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28 tells us. But he will not open that door without our help. If any man hears and opens the door, he will not open that door. We have to open it. And we will open it, I think, powerfully through worship. When we are worshiping people, the door of our hearts is open and the presence of God moves in. Amen. Father, thank you that you are the living God, the creative spirit, the Father, the author of life. Your son, Jesus, our Savior, our coming king, our bridegroom, your spirit, our very breath and life, our creativity, our energy. God, I pray that Calvary Community Church, that we would understand when we come together like this, corporate worship, corporate seeking, corporate praying, whatever we're doing, that this is an interdimensional activity, Lord, that we are putting heaven and earth in touch with each other. We're tying heaven and earth together through our worship, through our prayers, through our praise, through our thanksgiving, through our intercession. God, help us to bring more of heaven into this place on earth because we know ultimately that's what you're doing. You're putting heaven and earth together. So, Lord, let us start now in our place, in our lives. May you come. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. 
For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.